uh, that part of the discipleship process for the interns during uh, the summer is that they help me work on the messages for 10 weeks. And uh, this week, uh, the interns did an incredible job just sharing their heart about fathers and, and doing some things that are incredible. And we took some notes as we did it. And so my job today is to kind of deliver their heart posture in that moment. They did amazing, and I, I'm excited about that. So I want you to receive that as you're receiving the word this morning uh, from us. So turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at three very, very, very important men. Exodus chapter 3. Verse 6. Exodus 3, 6. And he said, I am the God of your father. Everybody say father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said... All right, let's get to it. I got some things I want to share real quick here. Now, dads, we are not here to beat you up today. We are here to try and encourage you, to bless you. We want you to receive the heart of God this morning. But there is something that is very, very powerful about Father's Day. And Father's Day, it it is a funny thing, right? Either it's not a major focus because we're scared of toxic masculinity... Or if it is a focus, the focus is always what dads need to do better. The focus is, you know, you got to do it better. You got to do it better. You got to, you're you're slacking, you're lacking off and and those things. And, and, And while there may be some truth behind that, the purpose today is not to call you out, dad. It's to call you up. And it's to encourage you and, and who you and I are. But we're so scared of all of these words and these these definitions. People are spitting out words and then they're allowed to give definition for those words. They have no meaning inside of reality at all. And we are so scared to talk about men. We're so scared to talk about our role. We're so scared to talk about leadership because we're so worried about toxic masculinity. Let Pastor Don just make a statement for you this morning as a church. I want you to hear me and hear me well. If masculinity was toxic, then that means that children that grow up without fathers would presumably be better than children who grow up with fathers. But that is not the statistic. Even those who want to define masculinity as something that's toxic in our culture can agree and see the statistics prove that children who grow up without fathers are not better off than children who grow up with fathers. And so therefore, Pastor Don's going to declare this morning without apology that masculinity is not toxic. It's not. Get over it. You do not get to define me. Because you are scared. Hello, somebody. I believe that fathers should be something in our society that leaves a mark. A good mark. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hello, somebody. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Come on, church. 
You see, the term, put your mark, the, the term leave your mark was a term that was, was given uh, uh, early on kind of in culture when maybe not everyone uh, could read or write, and, but they were having to, to, to agree uh, to taking authority or taking responsibility or taking ownership of something. And so they would need to sign a contract. And, and so uh, someone would put their name next to it uh, and then they would leave their mark next to their name. And their mark would be unique. It would be different than every other mark. And so therefore, anybody who came behind them that could see this, this contract, read this contract, see this responsibility would know that that person has left their mark. And so that just translated into all regular things. So when you have to sign contracts or agree to something, you leave your mark. You make your signature. Yesterday at the wedding, the bride and groom had to place their mark. The witnesses had to place their mark. So that everyone who comes behind them realizes that there is authority. They have accepted responsibility. They have left their mark. And now it is a legal document. I tell them all the time, the ceremony is the ceremony, but signing your name on this paper makes it legal. Makes it legal. Why? Because you have made your mark. I'm going to say to the church, I'm going to say to every man who's listening right now, God has designed men and intended for men to mark this world with leadership. Abraham and Jacob are tied together because of a mark, right? The identity of each man is based on the man who came before them. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, and see, Abraham left his mark for Isaac, and Isaac left his mark for Jacob. Come on, someone. And you trace those three men to each other because of a mark that they made. Jacob was a father because Isaac was a father because Abraham was a... God declared Abraham what? The father of... God is speaking. It's all right. You can, you can help me this morning. Uh, the grill is waiting. Jacob knew his purpose because of the man in behind, uh, before him. Jacob knew who he was because Isaac left his mark. Isaac knew who he was because Abraham left his mark. What were the mark of these guys? God. God is their God. That's their mark. God is their God. You see, there's a legacy that's passed down. God is a God. And so each man knew who he was because of the legacy that was given to him. That's a powerful statement. And so when I say God designed and intended for the world to be marked by the leadership of a father, it's a biblical statement, and you've got to, get re you've got to, you've got to embrace this. And let me just say this to us. Be because of that, the devil and the world has set its sight on fatherhood. Y'all not helping me. To demean us, to do away with us. Come on, church. The devil wants to eliminate the need for fathers. The world wants to belittle the gift of fatherhood. What if the current situation, inflation, gas price, whatever it is, 
What if it's a strategic satanic assault to rob the father from his ability to provide for his family so that his family has to trust the government? Y'all not, y'all not, y'all not. There's a devil loose, dads. There's a devil loose, church, and your dad, the father, is a target. Oh, yes, he is. I'm going to prove it to you. Men, I want you to know, and I believe that God has called us to place our mark. And our signature is not the spelling of our name, but the leadership of fatherhood. Come on, y'all not helping me. Fatherhood. That's our mark. It's not how you spell Don Smith or how you spell Arivelton Aquino Lima Jones. Adaruja. No, that's your name. Yeah. Father, it's our mark. I'm a father. That's where I'm at. It's a gift that God has given to me. Our families should be marked by the leadership of fatherhood. Come on, church. Grab a hold of this. So society should be marked by the leadership of fatherhood. I, I, I have a shirt that says Dadalorian. Now, I'm not on bark with you about Disney and their, their issues. We live in a broken world, and Disney's not the only one who, who's not following Jesus. I love the character of the Mandalorian. I love him, right? It's adventure. It's, uh, it's code, right? It is this, it is this uh, thing that has driven a man to be who he is. His, his, his boundaries are, are marked by the way. This is the... Come on, y'all help me. This is the... And, and everything he does is marked by... And when people don't understand it, why is it? Why is that like that? He will say, this is the way. And if you pay attention... Mando becomes more than a Mandalorian. Baby Yoda What has happened to Mando? Now Mando has become a father. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. What did they call Christians before they called them Christians? People of This is the way. I'm going to get here in a minute. Fathers, hear me and hear me well right now. And and this is something your interns said this week. They said fathers hold a very special place in society. And a much more special place than society gives them credit for. For instance, how many times have you seen a commercial or a TV show that shows a dad as an intelligent character? Most commercials cast the father as the family idiot who can't figure out how to take care of the kids or run a laundry or or, or the, the washing machine or clean the toilet without specific instructions. The American society seems to see fathers as expendable. An expendable part of the family unit. And therefore we wonder why 
the world doesn't receive fathers as spiritual leaders of their household. Can I prove my point to you this morning? I want you to watch a commercial. Watch this commercial. Hi, hon. Hi, honey. Talk later. I didn't do it! Ladder. Life insurance so good, they're gonna want you dead. I love you too, guys! But seriously, intentionally killing a policyholder will void all life insurance benefits. Let me tell you how bad the commercial is. They literally have to issue a disclaimer and say, please don't kill your father. That is a life insurance company selling you life insurance with the premise that the only value he has to you is the money you get if he's dead. Am I the only one who's violated? It's not funny to Don. Because I'm a dad. Have I been a perfect dad? Absolutely not. But this is the world. This is what they do. This is what they declare to us. Let me say this out loud so everyone hears it. What if fathers are failing and they're calling to be dead because of the value we don't give them? Sadly. Men today are also neglect the important role of who they are. That's why the term deadbeat dad is coined. Lynette gave a beautiful word about if you have a father wound, that's not the heart of the father towards you. Hello, somebody. And I would dare to say that there's probably not a person in this room, even if your dad was a great dad, who doesn't have some kind of father wound. Some expectation, some hope, something, some way he failed us. Some way he didn't live up to that. Some way he's struggling to be who he's supposed to be. But here's the deal. As a result, uh, kids are growing up in an unbalanced, dysfunctional household. As a matter of fact, here's the statistic. 39.6% of children in America are going to bed every night without a biological father in the home. That's the equivalent today of 30 million children in America. The mark of a father, the mark of a father, the mark of a father. Is being erased right in front of our very eyes. No wonder men don't know what to do, how to do it. I want to say today, 
The fathers need to be reinstated to the level of importance that God intended for them to be. Dad, we are here to encourage you. Dad, we are here to call you up and be your support. The reason American morality and spiritual integrity is such an all-time low is because of the declining value we place on the role of a father in today's society. can't remember which one of the interns said it this week, but these, I wrote it down, I put it in yellow so it would be a PowerPoint for you. But I heard this from one of our young people this week. We're sitting in my office and we're just working through this. And one of them said, when dad is undervalued, so is the right relationship with Abba Father. I was like, write it down, write it down, write it down. Where's the sheesh notes? Whatever they are, put it on there. When dad is undervalued, so is a right relationship with Abba, Father. And so our goal today is not, is, is not to remind guys of their duties and their responsibility. Not a man in here that doesn't know that. We want to encourage you and remind you of the importance of who you are. The respect and the dignity, the role of a father. Fathers play an extremely important vital role in the family. Gentlemen, let no one tell you you shouldn't leave your mark. The Bible itself gives us the, the, the model of authority in the family. Colossians 3, 18 and 20 says, Wives, submit to your husbands. And every guy is like, oh, 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 yes. The Tim the Tool Man Taylor comes out in us and we want to grunt. Then it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Gentlemen, do you know that the only person in, command, in the scripture that's commanded to love is the husband? You, are, you should be the initiator of relationship. Gentlemen, you should be the initiator of love. You should be the initiator of everything that brings people emotionally and gets them connected. That's who you're called to be by God. 1 Timothy 3.12 says the father's urge to manage his children and his household in a respectable manner. The father is charged with responsibility, the best interest of the family. When a man becomes a father, here's our struggle, and every dude's going to say amen. No one gives us an instruction booklet. But let's be honest, if they did, we wouldn't read it. a man how to manage his household. Ask any person, what's the role of a husband? What's the role of a father? He's supposed to be the spiritual lead. What does that look like? He's supposed to be the head of the house. Somebody tell me one, two, three, what that looks like. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what's expected of us. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to encourage people to follow those type of things. It's kind of like, okay, if I demand we sit down and do devotions once a day, then I'm the spiritual lead. I can lead devotions while everybody cries and whines about not wanting to be there. I don't care. 
How many times did I look at my kids and say, I don't care. I'm the head of the house and the only person who's responsible before God for this family is me. So you're going to listen to what I have to say. It never went very well. You know what, though? Here's the truth. Being a father, being a husband, it's something we pick up from a very important source. First, from the way our own father treated us. Dudes, are, we're guys of models, right? Even if it's a bad model, we just we repeat it. How we grew up as a child and interacted with our own father. That's our first source. And you can sit in here this morning, Dad, and say, yeah, that's, so I got a legitimate excuse. Not really. Because you have the authority and the power to break any curse. You want to tell you why? Because you're the head of your house. You're the spiritual authority in your home. You're the royal priest of that household. And you don't have to accept any curse. It has to come through the door of who you are. And what you forbid doesn't get to come in. What you allow gets to come in. And let me say something to every father here. What you give permission to, you tolerate. What you tolerate, you give permission to. And so dads, don't use your dad as his excuse. Some of our dads may have failed us very, very, very badly. But maybe it was because he's still living out of a model that he was failed in. Maybe his heart intent wasn't malicious or negative. It's just what it was. My dad never was a very so, uh, soapy and emotional guy. I have no doubt in my life he loved me. No doubt. I watched him work. I watched him when it was just a, he was just a, a single dad with me and my little sister. He was all alone, and it was just him, and he worked, and he was caring for us, and, and he was being the best dad he could. I told my wife we drove to Ethan's wedding this weekend, and we went the back way down to Niles, and we drove by this old Dairy Queen. You know, the new ones are all fancy, but this one had been there for years. And I told my wife, I said, just right now, I remember my dad taking me and my little sister to the Dairy Queen in Mariana, Florida. I'd forgotten about that. And, and I see that old Dairy Queen sitting there, and, and I just remembered that that Dairy Queen had a playground with a giant slide, and, and that we would go there and, and, and get a hot dog, and, and if I ate all my hot dog, then I got to get some ice cream, and, and, and then we got to play on the playground, and I, I, just, I, was just, I told her, she said, it's funny the things that we just remember in a minute. My dad, a single dad at that time, loving the only way he knew how. And, and the truth of the matter is, he probably could not have even afforded at that time to take us, but he did. We learn. Second, we learn from our relationship with God and by walking by the Word of God. Again, one of the interns spoke out in the office this week and said, you know what? Good men learn how to be good dads from a healthy father-son relationship, heavenly or earthly. 
Dads, we're the first line of defense for our family. And, 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 and we're often the very first part that Satan attacks because the enemy knows that if he can take the lead out that the subjects usually follow. See, the primary gift of a father is the expression of love that leads us to a legacy of salvation. And so, I want to work through for a minute here this idea of leaving our mark. Watch this. Dads, we want to encourage you to leave your mark by teaching your children well. Teach them well. From your own experiences, your victories and your defeats. I have found that my children did very well when I didn't hide my mistakes. They responded incredibly passionately when I looked them in the eye and say, forgive me. Victories are good. See, this is how we win. This is what we do. This is how we overcome. Look what accomplished because we did right. I remember my dad always saying, Don, how come there's always time to do it right the second time, but never time to do it right the first time? Encouraging me not to take shortcuts. Encouraging me to press in and and to get it right and to look over it. Encouraging me to let nothing haunt me. If you take a shortcut, something's going to haunt you. Encouraging me that there's, there's no right way to do the wrong thing. My dad would say that over and over and over again. Don, there's no right way to do the wrong thing. You're too interested in the destination and and you're missing the whole point. And he he would give me just advice like this. And my dad was his own proverbial proverb writer. I I mean, they just come back to me, all these things that he would say. Proverbs 1.8 says, listen, my child, to your father and what he teaches you. It's right there. What you learn from him will crown you with grace and clothe you with honor. You know, the older I get, the smarter my dad was. Proverbs chapter 3, speaking uh, uh, from the idea of an instructor, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store up my commands in your heart, for they will give you long and satisfying life. Let me encourage you, dads, be transparent. You know how your kids know who you are. Now, what children hate the worst from a dad is hypocrisy. They hate that worse than making a mistake. Just own it, man. I'm right there. Let's be transplant. Look for those teachable moments. Uh, I made a mistake. Here, let's learn from this. You know what? Invite your children uh, into your life. In other words, invite them into what you do for a living. Invite them into your hobbies. Invite them into your interests. Invite them into your walk with Jesus. Teach them well. This is what I'm doing. Gentlemen, leave your mark by fanning the flames. Come on. We got to admit, right? Man, you look at your child sometime and they, they are just like a top unleashed in a spin. <laughs> They're all over the place. They're like Tasmanian devil loose in the house. And you're just, you feel like you've got to calm that down and, and quell it up and contain it and those things. But what if God is giving them the gift? A gift that you can encourage in their uniqueness and their giftings and their interests and their passions. The, uh, Col- Colossians 3 says, Fathers, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they'll become discouraged and quit trying. How do I take what's there, what's burning inside of them, and move it into a way that God can use it for His glory and His honor?
Leave your mark by encouraging your children in their choices. Titus 2.6 says, In the same way, encourage young men to live wisely in all they do. Live wisely in all they do. This week, Brenda and I got to sit down with some young men who have committed to a, a, a short time of discipleship. And what I've heard from that meeting is most of them left terrified. <laughs> Don't be scared. Don't be scared of living wisely. Don't be scared of the challenge of manhood. Don't be scared of men who want to walk with you. And, 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 and don't be scared of that. Like embrace it and own it and those things. Like my time with the girls, the, the interns are all girls this year. And so I invited my wife and said, please be here with me because I want to make sure. I, sometimes I can not be as tender as I need to be. And help me. But encouraging who they are so that they continue. The worst thing I ever want my kids to do is quit. I do want to instruct them that there are some things that you ought not be involved in. But don't quit on what God has given us. Don't quit on our calling. Don't quit on who we are. It's my job to be the cheerleader. I want to leave my, lo- my mark by encouraging children to increase their horizon. God specifically spoke to me. Do not be a ceiling. Don't be the cap. Don't be a ceiling. Don't be a cap. Encourage them to broaden their horizons. Expect them to go further than you ever went. Expect them to do more than you've ever done. And don't be afraid to tell them that's your expectation. My dad over and over and over again in our wrestlings as a young man. And he would get at me, man. I'm telling you, he would. He would, he would just get at me. And I, and I remember just saying, I don't know what you want from me, what you expect from me. And over and over again, if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. What I heard is, my expectation is that you be a good man. I don't care what you do in this life. I don't care how much money you earn. I don't care where you live. If you live in a shack or if you live in a mansion. He said, I don't care if no one ever knows your name or if you become the president of the United States. My expectation will never change. You will be a good man. It was heavy and easy all at the same time. My dad was not a spiritual man during this time, but his expectation was clear. Anywhere I was out, I could measure what I was doing and what was going on by that. If I do this, will I be a good man? If I get involved in this, will I be a good man? What will my dad say, right? Those are things that I was saying, like he's leading. He's saying, this is my expectation. It's clear, it's precise, it's not complicated. You, my expectation is that you be a good man. Your word is your word. Be who you want to. When God called me to Michigan, there were two people in my life besides my wife my family, two men who encouraged me. One of them was an old Southern Baptist man who was coming to church at a Pentecostal church. His name was Chuck Smith, an old Marine. When he got sick, when he got a cold, his cure was not Tylenol or Sudafed. When this man got a cold, he would take a dry spoon full of cayenne pepper. 
And he would say, that'll cure what ails you. And everybody used to say, Don, how are you a little Pentecostal boy and Chuck Smith, a true Southern Baptist guy, how do you walk together? Because we honored one another. And he was an older man. And when I remember going to his house and saying, Mr. Chuck, God has called me to Michigan. He said, I knew that. I knew that all along. My encouragement is to you, you better get to Michigan as fast as something will drive. And then I went to my father, my dad, who was not a Christian at the time. He is now. The one man who I figured to give me all the grief in the world because he wouldn't understand. And I looked my dad in the eye and I said, Dad, I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but God has spoken to my heart and I have to move to Michigan. And my dad looked me in the eye and said, Boy, if God has spoken to you, you better move. Everybody else in my life said, no, 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 no. Matter of fact, my best friend at the time said, if you do that, God's going to kill you. Come on, somebody. My father encouraged me. He was like, if God has spoken, you better move. I loved that moment, and I'll never forget that for me because if I didn't have the confidence of anything, I had the confidence of a man whose only required for me was to be a good man, speaking into my life and saying, if God has spoken, you better move. Be a good man. Encourage. He encouraged me, broaden your horizons. I have no idea what I'm doing, Dad. You don't have to if God has spoken. Leave your mark, gentlemen, by involving your children in ministry. First Chronicles 25 and 5 says, All these men were under the direction of their fathers. It's right there in the Bible. I have a trick Bible. This obviously, in this context, was talking about the, the worship of the house of God and those particular things. And the young men that, that led the worship in the house of God at that particular time. The Bible tells us that they were under the direction of their fathers and they made music at the house of the Lord. Their responsibilities including playing cymbals, lyres, and harps at the house of God. And they did that as they were under the instruction of their fathers. Think about that. Let me, let me elaborate on this. Gentlemen, leave your mark by discipline. Ooh. Now, let me make this clear. Discipline and punishment are two separate things. Discipline reinforces moral boundaries. This is wrong. This is right. And I don't, my dad never apologized for that. He was able to define what was right and what was wrong. And see, my, uh, your greatest relational connection, Dad, will always be your greatest influence. God, God, your greatest relational connection will be the point of your greatest influence, Dad. That's why relationship with your children is so important. So that influence from you to them is important. This is why it's important to be connected with our kids. Dad, your responsibility with your kids is important because it's what provides their moral compass. Proverbs 6.23. The Mandalorian is biblical. It's right in the... Pro- 
Proverbs 6.23. That's why it's right there. Dadalorian, Proverbs 6.23. This is the way. Watch how this reads. Proverbs 6.23 in the New Living Translations. For these commands and this teaching are a lamp to the light of the way ahead of you. The correction of discipline is the way of life. This is the way. This is the way. Dad, you are the way. This is speaking in relation to dad leading, to, to instructors leading. Dad, you're the way. Forget Mando, you're Dado. <laughs> you're Dadalorian. You're there to lead the way. You're there. It's the way. A Christian was called in the way before he's ever called a Christian. Dad, we're the way. This is the way. Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your children while there is hope. Proverbs 22, 15, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but discipline will drive it away. Proverbs 23, 13, don't fail to correct your children. They won't die if you spank them. It's, it's right there in the Bible. If my dad ever believed a scripture in his whole life, he believed that one. I didn't die. <laughs> it's right there. It's the New Living Translation. and It's there. It's there. It's like they won't die if you spank them. As a matter of fact, it follows up and it says this. Physical discipline may well save them from death. The times that my dad corrected me and disciplined me, I can tell you, yes, I believe literally saved me from a physical death. Proverbs 23, 13, don't fail to correct your children. Discipline fosters responsibility and trust. Proverbs 13, 1, a wise child accepts parents' discipline. Hello, anybody in here who's got a dad that you think sometimes uh, you don't understand his rules or his regulations? A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A younger mocks and refuses to listen. Proverbs 29 and 17, discipline your children and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. Come on, somebody. See, discipline shows you care. Remember, there's a difference between discipline and punishment. I'm getting there. Proverbs 13, 24, if you refuse to discipline your child, it proves you don't love them. And if you love your children, you will be prompted to discipline them. Ephesians 6, 4. And now a word to you fathers. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Can I say this very boldly to us as men? Punishment fosters condemnation. It has no ability to change behavior. Discipline changes behavior. But see, discipline is something you participate with your child in. Punishment is something you do and they endure alone. Pastor Don just preached to you right there. Gentlemen, leave your mark by the formation of foundation. Faith first. Watch this. Jacob was a man of faith because Isaac was a man of faith because Abraham was a man of faith. Oh, 
Make Christ visible in your life, Dad. Man, we got, we got a Savior who's not ashamed of us. Why would I be ashamed of Him? We got a God who rejoices in us. Why would I not rejoice in Him? Make Christ visible in your life. I love Jesus, and I want you to love Jesus too. I'm walking with Jesus, and I want you to walk with Jesus too. Come on, let's go. Let's walk with Jesus. Teach your children to pray. Come on and pray with me. Teach your children to worship. Come on and worship with me. Teach your children to serve. Come on, let's go serve Jesus together. Let's worship. Let's pray. Testify of God's good working in your life to your children. They are a blessing to you. Have you told them that? I'm a dad because you are here and God has given me a gift. Dad, dads, leave your mark by the formation of foundation through character. Be accountable for your actions. Your kids know who you are. They know when you don't keep your word. But we have the opportunity to demonstrate the value of integrity. We have, a, we have the opportunity to value what it looks like to be a man of our word. Listen, here's the deal. My dad had no money growing up. He was, he, we had nothing. We, we had nothing. But my dad gave me his word and I could count on it. Period. If my dad said it, I'd never thought another thing about it. Do I have some disappointments? Absolutely. There's not a person in this room who doesn't. But if my dad said yes, it meant yes. And if my dad said no, it meant no. And he did not feel the need to elaborate. And I'm okay. You know why? Because the one thing in my life that I could trust when I couldn't trust anything else was my father's word. Period. And he wasn't going to blow no smoke up my butt. I'm just talking to dads. He's going to shoot me straight and tell me the way it was. And he's a military guy. And sometimes there was a little colorful language involved. I'm not suggesting that or giving permission to that. I'm telling you what my life was. Dads, form a foundation by giving skills away. Give your knowledge away. Learn a new skill together with them. Be willing to try and fail with your children. I want to do this right here. The greatest mark a dad leaves behind is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's true when a parent dies that children expect to receive an inheritance. Sometimes that inheritance involves money or riches and sometimes it doesn't. But there's no greater inheritance than the legacy a father leaves concerning eternal salvation. Come on, Dad. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up, train them, teach them, instruct them in the Lord. A dad who loves his family does his best to lead them in the way of the Lord. This is the way. This is the way. Dad, why do we go to church? This is the way. Dad, why do we worship Jesus? This is the way. 
Dad, why do we do this is the way? I remember Malin coming to me one time, and, and uh, we didn't have a lot of money growing when she was growing up either, and, and we were, you know, it just was, and there were other people around us who seemed to, who not, didn't love Jesus, but seemed to be prospering, and I, I remember she had this question for me that I, I really couldn't answer, and she said, Dad, how come those who don't love God seem to, to, to be okay, and those who love God sometimes struggle? I didn't know what to say. This is the way. Our reliance is 100% on God. Their reliance is on something that has no eternal foundation. And if God can't take care of us, sweetie, nobody else can. But the one thing I know is that me and you are here together. We're together. This is what we do. A dad who loves his family leads his children in the way. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 says, As a father deals with his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging them to live their lives worthy of God. Take that to heart. Encouraging and comforting, guys. Dad, come on. You're the initiator of love. You're the initiator of, of love. You're the initiator of relationship. You are the initiator. And listen, I know what it's like to live with teenagers. Lord have mercy. Right? I, I mean, times I, I, I tell my wife, my, TC and I are going to sit down and have a conversation, and I, I tell my wife, you, you have to go to the bedroom. It's me and the boy going to have a conversation, and I don't need you protecting him. And she would just look at me, and she'd say, oh, God, Don, please don't kill him. I'm going to kill him? We're going to have a conversation? We had plenty of just conversations that were just like, Let's work through this. Let's see what's happening here. Let's wrestle this out, man. And no, mom can't be in the room to protect you. And my wife would sit in, she would sit in the bedroom and she would, she would turn the TV up so she couldn't hear because her temptation was to try and listen. She would try to listen, you know. Don't kill him, Don. Don't kill him, Don. I'm not going to kill the boy. I just want to have a conversation. And it needs to be between dad and son. You, you love him when I'm done. I'm going to love him right now. I also remember times when he would come to me and go, Dad, I got an issue with this. And I would be like, well, you're not wrong. I'm not going to make any excuses. And in those moments, I will remember Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And what is my soul as a father? My family. My wife and my children. And who I am as God called me to be. Let me give you some confidence in this room right now, Dad. I'm going to give you permission to believe and to understand that as dads, we have the power to shape our families and mark our society by the way we live every day. Yeah. Dads, we're the first line of defense for our family. 
We are commissioned by God to deliver the good news of the gospel to our family. Not just with words, but by the way we live every day. And let me just say this to you in this room. If you are a young person, and maybe you don't have a dad in your life, God has planted you in a church with men of God who are great fathers. And they don't mind being a father to you. Men you can trust, lean on, and depend on. Men of integrity and character. Men of honor. Men who are going to walk with you and love you. If you're in this room today and you have a father wound, I want, you, I want to encourage you, forgive him and embrace the spiritual fathers God has put in your life. I tell story after story about how my dad was my hero growing up. He's the town hero. He's a military hero. His purple heart and his bronze star hang in my office. My dad, three combat tours in Vietnam. My dad, who was special forces. My dad, who was a bad little bumblebee. He gave me discipline. And he's my father. We didn't grow up as Christians. But when I gave my heart and life to the Lord, God gave me a spiritual father. I talk about him a lot too. His name is Rick Sarver. Were either one of those men perfect? No. But I took what my earthly father gave me discipline. And my spiritual father took that gift that my earthly father gave me. And he molded that in a way that allowed me to understand what it means to be a man of God. To not be a man of toxic masculinity, but to not be afraid to say that I am a man of God. And you know what? Sometimes my armpits stink. Sometimes my dojo wears out. Sometimes I leave a little hair in the sink. Sometimes I leave my shoes on the floor. Sometimes I'm not as tidy as I should be. But I want to say to every woman in this room that might be discouraged by some of that stuff, here's something you can be grateful for when you see that. When you see it, you know you have a man in your life. And that's a gift. That is a gift. Dads, we have the greatest power to shape our family, to mark our society and not apologize. Not just by the way we worship, not just by the way we pray on Sunday, but the way we worship and praise God every day of our lives. Fathers, they're trying to erase you. I say today, They don't have permission. Here's our challenge. Stand with me in this place.
I want to say to every father who's listening right now, don't let them erase you. Don't let them erase you. We've had a good time today in this place, a lot to celebrate. The biggest thing we can celebrate this morning is the gift that God has given us in fathers. You are a gift to us. I will say it, and I will say it again. Fathers in this room, you are a gift. You're not a nuisance. You're not the village idiot. You're not an imbecile. Have you made some mistakes? Absolutely. But any man who's ever tried is a man who's made mistakes. Every man who's never tried is a man who's never made mistakes. Don't let them erase you. I would say to us as men today, if your marriage is struggling, leave your mark and write your name. Not my marriage, devil. Not my wife, world. Not my kids. I will deny myself and I will die for them. Not mine. Write your name. Leave your mark if your marriage is struggling. Leave your mark. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time and walk in who you are called to. I'll say to every man in this room today, if your finances have been struggling, leave your mark and honor God first with everything that comes into your hand and watch him honor you as a son. Amen. I know that there are dads, right, who are in this room today who say, I don't have any idea how to be a dad because I didn't have a dad or because my dad wasn't a good dad. I'm saying to you, break the curse and leave your mark. Leave your mark. It's not just by signing your name on some kind of contract. It's leaving your mark so that those who come behind you will know that you were there. Gentlemen, I want to encourage us to leave our mark. In this moment, yes, we're a little extended on time. Dad's worth it. And so if you're a man in this house, if you're a father in this house, and you want to take this challenge of leaving your mark, we've given you a symbol. Hello, somebody. It may seem silly to some, but you know what also seems silly to some? Is this challenge coin that I carry in my pocket everywhere I go. And it might seem silly to you, but it reminds me of my character. It reminds me of my integrity. Every time I put my hand in my pocket, I'm reminded that another man challenged me. And this goes with me everywhere I go. Because I will pay the price if I leave my house without my character and my integrity and my honor and my family also. That might seem silly to some. That's all right. I'm responsible for how I lead, not you. I want to give you another symbol today. And so what we have done is we have purchased carpenter pencils. It's something that we leave a mark with. Hello, somebody. And I want to say to every man this morning, if you want to take this challenge of leaving your mark, 
I want you to come to the front and I want you to take one of these pencils and we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Move out. If you want to come, I want you to take one of these pencils and we want to pray for you. This pencil may seem silly, but to us it symbolizes. I want to leave my mark. And the truth of the matter is, if you know anything about a carpenter pencil, it's not something you leave a perfect mark with. Hello, somebody. But you can leave a mark with it. The requirement in your life as a father and as a dad is not perfection. But in the words of my father, I hear the words of a heavenly father who says, be a good man. Be a good man. Be a good man. And there was no need of judgment. There was no fear of any action because I had been a good man. Fathers, I want you to understand something at Firm Foundation Ministries. We love you. And you are not a punching bag. You are what drive us. In this room, there's no fear of toxic masculinity. Because, see, we don't define masculinity the way the world wants to define it. We define it biblically by leaving our mark. Jacob was a man of faith because Isaac was a man of faith because Abraham was the father of faith. Gentlemen, I'll ask you to hold your pencil up. Lord, in this place, we refuse to be erased. We refuse to accept society, the world, political agendas and wokeism. We refuse to use their vocabulary to embrace identity. Instead, God, we receive identity from you, from the scripture. That identity says, you have given the world a gift. It is fatherhood. You have called us into the greatest calling we could ever have, and that is fatherhood. And in this place this morning with these pencils lifted up, we say to you, God, we surrender to you. And we let go of the past, and we embrace your forgiving virtue. And we say, God, encourage us and lead us as we surrender to you, as we submit to you. We say, Lord, our life is yours as we lead our family. We say, Lord, we refuse to be erased. Instead, we want to become even more bold in who we are. Unapologetic, embracing fatherhood. Not in comparison, but with your heart. God, I pray right now. That you would inspire each man and encourage each man. That each and every time we look at a carpenter pencil from here on out. That we would be reminded that God has called me to leave my mark.
whether that pencil is orange or it's blue, whatever name is on the side of it, when I see it, I'm reminded. I'm called to leave my mark. Let the men of this house be men who leave their mark so that those who come behind us will know that we have been there. Those who come behind us will have a legacy to live their life on. Father, touch these men. Encourage these men. Now pray for us as a church, God, that we see every man who has a pencil lifted and we say, God, they walk in the value that I give them. And so I'm going to honor them. I'm going to value them. Father, I, I pray that you would encourage every man who is... Uh, a little lazy right now. Maybe a lot lazy. Touch his... Lift him up. Push him towards you, Jesus. Pull him in. Let him see who he really is. We pray for them in Jesus' name. Lord, we love our fathers and we give you praise and glory for them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Let's sing one last song before we leave today. Hallelujah. Bless them, Jesus.